Welcome to the Artelligence Podcast. I'm Marion Manneker, and we're going to explore the mysteries of the global art market. Magnus Renfrew has been a pioneering art fair director in Asia for more than a decade. First with Art HK, which eventually became Art Basel Hong Kong, and now with Taiwan's Taipei Dangdei, which opens in January of 2019, Renfrew has been at the forefront of developing collectors and galleries in Asia from both an Asian and an international perspective. Okay, uh, Magnus, why don't you start by just uh, giving us all a sense of the uh, fair, its scope, and uh, when it's going to take place. Taipei Dangdai Art and Ideas is a new art fair which will take place from the 17th to the 20th of January 2019 at the Taipei Namgang Exhibition Centre. In terms of the scope of the fair, we will be welcoming 90 galleries that have been selected from over 160 applications uh, by our selection committee of Art World Gallerists. And so the uh, selection of the fair, of the galleries participating in the fair has been by peer review. Uh, we have a very strong selection committee, including Patricia Crockett from Spruce Margaret's Gallery. We have Elisa Uematsu from Takeishi, Walling Boas from Boas Lee, Issa Lorenzo from Silverlands in Manila, and Edward Malang from uh, Malang Gallery in Hong Kong. And you have a mix so, of, of European, uh, uh, North American, and Asian galleries. Yeah, well, we saw that there was a real opportunity there to uh, create an art fair that had a very strong regional identity while still maintaining uh, global standards of practice, if you like, in terms of selectivity. So we wanted to to have some of the very best galleries from Europe and America uh, showcased alongside the very best from around the region, but with perhaps more of an emphasis on Asia than uh, than other art fairs in the region currently have, uh, and yet at the same time being very much qualitatively determined. Now, there's no doubt in my mind that Art Basel has now firmly asserted itself as the global art fair for Asia, and Hong Kong is the right place for that to happen. But if you look at other uh, domestic markets around the region that have historically been quite strong, the uh, the offerings there haven't necessarily provided the context which major global galleries have felt comfortable uh, to to exhibit. Um, galleries are often very uh, concerned about uh, how the the context of their neighbours reflects on their own uh, positioning and uh, the the, uh, the sense of the, the calibre of their programming, etc. And so we wanted to provide a, a context that would be uh, would give those uh, major galleries comfort, but also to really try and uh, celebrate the very best of what's happening in the region. I want to talk to you a bit more about uh, uh, Taipei, the collector base there, and uh, I don't even want to say it's evolution. There's always been some very strong collectors in Taiwan, but it seems like in the last a couple of years, it's become more of a uh, a driving force in the global art market. Uh, uh, you know, especially the market for uh, European and uh, North American 
uh, art. But before we talk about that, I, I do want to go back. You mentioned um, Art Basel in Hong Kong and Hong Kong's role as the capital of the Asian art market. Uh, and you were instrumental in in both of those things, certainly in the founding of uh, Art HK that became the Art Basel Hong Kong uh, Fair. And the fair itself sort of helped win the battle between Hong Kong and Singapore for which city would be the focal point of the uh, Asian art market. So I was hoping I could take advantage of speaking to you to get uh, you to talk a little bit about, um, you know, the early 2000s before you started Art HK, what um, collecting was like, and then the the process, how, how you got involved in uh, Hong Kong, why Hong Kong, and how that fair developed. I know that's a, a, a big question, but uh, I, I think, you know, it's worth taking a little time. Sure. Well, I think... Um... Uh, forgive me if I stumble over things a bit because I'm having to cover a lot of ground and and uh, be thinking and reminiscing. Um, but uh, the I think that the the art market has changed a great deal over the last decade. Uh, certainly, when I first started uh, working on Art Hong Kong um, in 2006, the art market was was, was very much dominated by the auction houses. Uh, who have played a very important role in bringing to uh, global attention art from the region. And so uh, Sotheby's and Christie's in particular had really made a, a great strides in, in creating a much wider audience for contemporary art from Asia than perhaps had previously been the case. And um, the, the auction houses recognized that they had, they had a, a platform that perhaps was stronger than an individual gallery could have alone. To, uh, to 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 open uh, open up uh, a wider wider interest. Um, I think that uh, you know one of the uh, striking things, or one of the moments where it really became clear that the um, that that there was a, a real broadening of interest in the art market um, from China was in 2006 uh, with the uh, first major auction of contemporary Asian art in New York that was run by Sotheby's. And that was, I think, the, the, the strong results that uh, were demonstrated there, I think, was the, perhaps sort of like a, a key moment um, where people really saw the potential uh, for, for the market. In, uh, well, are you, you're talking yeah. about the Estella collection and uh, the kind of impact the Chinese contemporary art had in 2006 on the market. That's right. Yeah. No, I think that the, the first auction in, I think it was April 2006 in New York that was conducted by Sotheby's was, a, I think, a moment where there was an awakening, awakening of interest and awakening uh, in recognition of the potential of the art market in Asia and the strength of the Chinese market and Chinese buyers, as well as the strength of the cultural production of China. Uh, when we first started uh, the uh, when we first started talking about the scene, uh, when we first started talking about uh, creating an art fair in Hong Kong, we really wanted to try and create something. Um, we, we saw the potential to, to create something new, if you like, um, in the sense that we had the opportunity to create something completely from scratch, 
we were trying to think about how we could create the best possible art fair for now. And in a sense, when we looked at other art fairs in Europe, they seemed to be very much European and American-centric in terms of their interest. And we felt that there was an opportunity to be um, uh, the best through being most representative rather than being the best in absolute terms. You know, if one was wanting to be the best in absolute terms, then if the best 100 galleries in the world are in Berlin, then you have 100 galleries from Berlin. But we felt that there was an opportunity there to, to, uh, to showcase the diversity of cultural production and, and so in that way to assert a, different, assert a different kind of relevance. So we had three core values for the fair. First and foremost, it was quality. We wanted the fair to be adhering to international standards and selectivity, so to have a selection committee of, uh, of commercial gallerists that would review all of the applications and, and, make, their, uh, and make their decisions about who would uh, participate. And so in that sense, uh, it was as transparent a process as it, as it possibly could be. It also ensured that we were showcasing the very best, uh, the very best galleries and the very best artists. Um, and that differentiated us from other art fairs, perhaps in Asia, who that was that were often run by the local gallery association. <clears throat> and the gallery association has a different reason for existence than an art fair, in the sense that it has to be uh, it has to be treating all of its members equally whereas an art fair, by its very nature, has to be as uh, selective as possible. And uh, I often think that you can tell the quality of an art fair, not by the very best gallery that's participating, but perhaps by the weakest presentation. And that gives you a, a very clear indication of the intentions of the organizers. Um, well, that's, that's, an then, that, that's an interesting point. Uh, uh, it's, it's really yeah. about, as you said earlier, about both selectivity and maintaining standards so that you, instead of just having the, the best of all, uh, all the galleries in the world, you have both representative but still assuring a level of quality across the board. That's right, yeah. And so our second core value was geographical diversity, which I've covered off already in terms of trying to assert relevance by showcasing the breadth of cultural production rather than purely European and American-centric view of the world. And then uh, the third was accessibility. And this was really important for us in that uh, I think that often the art world can seem uh, a little bit intimidating and a little bit of a closed shop. And we wanted to uh, provide people with a way into engaging with art, which is very important in a, in a new market or in a developing art market. Um, we wanted to give people the, the comfort and the confidence that they should be uh, able to come to the fair, to ask questions, that there would be work that was uh, accessibly priced as well. So, you know, the possibility to buy things that were uh, fit for the new collectors or for young collectors that were priced at a lower price point. Uh, and so in that way, uh, we felt that we could really help to build a market for the long term. So we we're really keen to try and engage with collectors and buyers and a general audience at every every level. Well, that that seems to be the greatest success of the fair is the level of education uh, that you know the, the everyone now speaks of the um, extraordinary amount of uh, research and knowledge that uh, collectors in Asia have and employ. Uh, in a way that they didn't necessarily 10, 11 years ago when you started the fair. And I think most people point to um, 
that fair as being the kind of um, focal point that brought people in and gave them an intense uh, environment to uh, learn in and motivation to learn uh, uh, more. And, and, and it sounds like it's both uh, something you, you, you consciously uh, strove to provide, but also just a, a, the network effect of having so many people in the same place in, in somewhat of a competitive atmosphere. Well, I think that's true. I mean, I, I would, I, I always feel quite uncomfortable with the term education because it suggests that we know everything and the local audience doesn't. And I think that the education process is absolutely a, a two-way street. And we, we were, you know, we've been constantly learning um, as we've been there. But I think that more than it being kind of a didactic experience, it's more about providing a context for people to engage with art because I think you learn about art through having the opportunity to, to look at art. And um, ideally, to, to see it in some kind of context that can provide its own frame of reference. And I certainly find that when I'm confronted by an artwork from wherever it might be in the world uh, for the first time, that for me to gain a, a better understanding of it, it's important for me to see uh, other works by the artist to, to, to develop my own frame of reference and my own context by which to be able to understand it. And so that's something that we really wanted to provide for everybody that was visiting because I think there were learning experiences in all different directions. It wasn't just about uh, buyers from Asia learning about Western art, but it was also about collectors from, from the West really sort of beginning to engage uh, more meaningful, more meaningfully with art from, uh, from the Asia Pacific region. Well, that's, that's probably the most interesting thing we've seen over the last uh, decade is the growth of this pan-Asian contemporary art market that is now reaching a similar level of relative value. Uh, you can only see it in somewhat in the um, auction results in the way that we now see the the biggest auction in the um you know, uh, Sotheby's and Christie's auction cycles, but even in some of the other auction houses in Hong Kong's uh, cycles, that the modern and contemporary painting sales are the biggest value sales, and that those sales are populated with artists from all over Asia. Uh, you know, that, that the, the mainstay names aren't just Chinese or even Chinese contemporary names. They're not just a few Japanese names, but they are a mixture of uh, artists well-known across Asia who seem to have, at least within the context of art fairs and art auctions, created a, a, a you know, a definable category of Asian contemporary art. I think that there's been you know, there's been a, a, a classification of interest, if you like, from collector collectors from Asia. I think that um, with any new market and with any uh, collector, wherever they're from in the world, most often collectors start buying work that's quite traditional in nature and often from their own country. And that's the same for a collector from the UK or a collector from from China. It's a similar kind of dynamic. As time develops, as time goes on, that I think collector tastes develop, and that people get more and more uh, uh, confident and somewhat more uh, adventurous in their collecting taste, and they start collecting work by contemporary artists that perhaps uh, speaks to the present moments in which people uh, find themselves and they're trying to make sense of that the, the language and idioms actually really feel quite familiar, become quite familiar to people when they become open to 
to trying to understand them better. And then uh, once one has started collecting contemporary work from your own country, it's not such a big uh, it's not such a big step to start buying works from artists from elsewhere in the world. And that's what we've really seen over the last uh, five to ten years is that collectors from Asia have gone way beyond collecting just from their own uh, their own cultural patrimony, if you like, but are actually buying work by artists from all over the world. What's really interesting to see, um, I think, is is how the evening sales, for example, at Sotheby's and Christie's have changed over the last, even over the last five years. And if if one looks at the evening sales from say 2012 in Hong Kong, that the vast majority of works were by Chinese contemporary artists. And now, if you look at the evening sales, they're populated by the works of, uh, of major Chinese artists, but also major figures from Western arts, such as Gerhard Richter and uh, Picasso and so on. Really blue chip works um, by, by Western artists as well as artists from Asia. But also there's been an element of rediscovering uh, movements and artists that are really worthy of, of critical attention. So one looks at uh, the Gutai movement from Japan or the Dante Kwa artists from Korea. There's really been a broadening of interest beyond what it was, say, five to ten years ago. No, and in many ways, it's um, it's almost the model market. It is uh, syncretic, and in ways that uh, the the New York and London markets uh, may not be. Uh, in, in that you know seeing artists like George Kondo becoming very popular there or Cecily Brown, there are specific artists from the West that do yeah. quite well in the, those sales and seem to define, uh, you know, a, a certain um, taste uh, for art, which sort of naturally brings me to the question about uh, Taiwan's collectors, because, uh, you know, yeah. Taiwan has always had some, major global collectors, you know, uh, uh, significant players in the contemporary and impressionist and modern uh, 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 markets. But they've, they've never been that um, visible, I think, to, to sort of, you know, beyond the industry, uh, you know, the dealers and the, the auction houses. Uh, and I've even heard people suggest that there's even been a change in taste where there are more Taiwanese collectors who are uh, interested in, in modern and impressionist uh, art as well. And I'm, I'm wondering, you know, since a fair like yours becomes a way to, to see and represent uh, a collecting community, is this just, you know, um, about discovering something that's already been there, or is there a dynamic taking place in Taiwan that is uh, sort of driving, you know, your interest in in establishing this fair? Well, I think that you know, for me, um, there, there's, there's, I've always been very much aware of the importance of the Taiwanese collectors, even when we were starting uh, Art HK. When we were researching in markets and talking, you know, doing our due diligence and speaking to gallerists and uh, and so on and auction houses, they were always saying that the two sort of strongest uh, markets in Asia, uh, certainly for international art, was um, was uh, was Taiwan and Korea. And over the decade or so, over the seven years that I was uh, director of Art Hong Kong and Art Basel in Hong Kong, I was uh, spending a lot of time going to Taipei. 
uh, and networking with collectors, primarily because the, uh, the the galleries that were participating in the art fair cited the Taiwanese collectors as being absolutely instrumental to the commercial their commercial success at Art Hong Kong and Art Basel in Hong Kong. I think that one of the very interesting dynamics for me was when I left Art Basel in Hong Kong and returned to the auction world uh, for a while, is that I was really getting to see a crowd of collectors that I hadn't engaged with uh, when I was with the art fairs. And it really demonstrated to me that there was considerable potential to, uh, if, if one did the right things and if one awoke the interest and, sh- and provided the right kind of qualitatively determined context that gave people a, a, a comfort that what they were, they were engaging with was, was of merit, then we'd be able to bring in new entrants into the, into the, um, into the, the art fair buying and gallery buying ecosystem, if you like. And to, I think it's, it's easier to some, sometimes to redirect existing collecting habits than it is to create things from nothing. And certainly, you know, the opportunity that we saw in, in, in Taipei was very much to try and lift the lid off something that was already should be happening rather than to try and create something absolutely from nothing. And there's really, I think, considerable potential there. You know, there's great institutions, there's 150 galleries in Taiwan of all different qualities, from fantastic to you know very decorative and commercially pragmatic. But it demonstrates that there is certainly uh, a collector base that can uh, can sustain that 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 activity. And so um, that, in combination with conversations with the auction houses, who really cite the Taiwanese collectors, both consigners and buyers, as amongst the most important for them in Asia. Uh, really, I think that there, there are a lot of things in the mix there that, that could make it a, a very good context for the market. But beyond the market alone, I think that Taiwan has a very uh, sophisticated art team. There are collectors um, that have been engaged with collecting disciplines from antiquities uh, uh, to impressionist and modern art um, uh, so for, for many, many years. And I think um, sort of beyond that, we have... Uh, it's a very strong uh, institutional scene with the Taipei Fine Art Museum, Mocha Taipei. We have the biennial that uh, the Taipei Fine Art Museum uh, hosts every two years that has uh, a very strong reputation in the region. And so it seems that there's um, that combined with uh, a very strong artist scene. You know, there's some really great young, young artists and more established artists working in Taipei who are very much... Uh, uh, working with a high degree of criticality and uh, uh, you know, very much a, a critical mindset. So I think that there are all these different elements that come together to, to, to mean that really people should be paying more attention to it. In a sense, we, we, we in a sense, uh, there's the, the feeling that why isn't there already sort of a, an internationally recognised art there taking place there? And so that really demonstrated the, the possibility for us. So uh, I presume, you know, this isn't uh, a fair meant to compete with uh, uh, Hong Kong uh, since you were, you know, already conquered uh, that. And, and I think we all recognize it's a sort of um, a broad appeal. But I, I, I'm wondering if there, there's a, an analogy to be drawn between um, Art Basel uh, in uh, Basel this sort of uh, uh, a fair that's a, about a very select collector base and about galleries competing to 
have access to that collector base and uh, Art Basel in Hong Kong or in Miami, which has been very much about the branding of uh, art, especially contemporary art, and um, bringing that, uh, I think, as you said uh, earlier, that that sense of discovery and interaction and uh, cross-pollination between buyers and sellers to learn about each other and learn about uh, artists together. So I guess what I'm asking is, uh, uh, I'm assuming this fair is meant to cr- uh, uh, address a different part of the art market rather than just trying to set up another center, uh, you know, a rivalry the way Singapore was once a rival to Hong Kong in the art trade? Well, uh, for me, I've never really seen um, any of the things that we've tried to do in the past or or in the present as, as being competing with anyone. Um, you know, I, I kind of firmly believe in chasing the dream rather than the competition. Um, and I think that we, you know, our success is not determined by the failure of anybody else. And I think that all art fairs are, pro- are, are playing an important part in bringing new entrants into the market. And so I think that to a degree, we're all kind of forcing what each other are doing. So that, that's kind of my first point. I just have a philosophically a different starting point for, for, for the discussion. But in terms of the particular, uh, in terms of the particular focus of the fair, and I think it's fair to say we're not trying to be the big global fair. We're trying to create the best possible art fair that Taipei could have that's most appropriate to the context there. There are very strong collectors. There's great work that's being produced. I think that, um, that for various reasons, Hong Kong makes a lot of sense to be the global center for Asia. But I think that you know that there are domestic markets in, in Asia, very much in the same way that there are domestic markets in, in Europe. That uh, could that have the potential to sustain uh, very good art fairs, and that that, uh, that for which an art fair could provide a great platform to sort of engage with new collectors to pull them through into the the, the uh, collecting ecosystem, if you like. Um, our intention with this, I think, is is partially demonstrated by the the makeup of the or the geographical makeup of the uh, participants of the art fair. We have 90 galleries participating in total. We have 20 that have spaces in Taiwan. Uh, we have uh, 50 uh, that are from primarily from Asia outside of Taiwan. And then we have 20 galleries that primarily are based in Europe and the United States or were originated there. Uh, of those 20, 10 actually have outposts in, in Asia. So we, we only actually have 10 galleries participating that do not have a physical on-the-ground presence in Asia, which I think is a very interesting uh, statistic if one looks back uh, at the art scene 10 years ago in Asia. It's, it's very much a different place now than it was then. Um, but we, we, we could have easily accepted more galleries and more applications from the West. We had a considerable amount of interest, but we wanted to try and create an art fair that was respectful of its situation and its context, and it was appropriate to the scale of the market. So we didn't want to overdo it um, in, in year one in terms of having 150 galleries for the context. It just, it, you know, I think it's too early for that kind of thing, and I'm not sure that it really ever needs to have uh, a, you know, an exhibition list of the scale of, uh, of Freeze or Art Basel, etc. Um, but we wanted, it, we wanted to make sure that we had a very, very strong lineup of, of Western galleries 
And if you look at the Western galleries that we have coming, whilst it's whilst it's uh, reflects sort of just over twenty percent of the overall participants, they are the very best Western galleries in the world. The Gershwin House and Work, Barbara Gladstone, Sadie Coles, Neugarim Schneider, Listen Pace, Continua, Esther Shipper, Tavares Ropatch, uh, etc., etc. So I think that um, I think it's going to be a very interesting mix and quite a. Uh, Quite, quite, perhaps a little bit different from what people have seen in the past of having this balance of ex, you know, exceptional galleries in America, um, but, but only really forming you know, a part of the story rather than overpowering the overall uh, uh, emphasis and feeling of, of the material that's on view. Can you just quickly uh, give me a sense of what the criteria were beyond quality, you know, presuming uh, uh, galleries met the level uh, of expectation, what was the criteria for selecting um, uh, uh, galleries, both Asian and European ones, but obviously European ones, was it? About quality. Yeah, but but beyond quality, was there was there another you know sense of like wanting a, a specific sort of focus from uh, from them to be able to give uh, a, a a broader array, or uh, uh, was it really uh, about something else? I, I'm I'm not presuming the answer to the question. I'm uh, truly curious. Well, ultimately, it was about quality first and foremost. But in addition to quality. We were really looking to try and attract galleries that had a major commitment to the region. So we were looking at uh, galleries that either were showcasing artists from Asia or that had a major presence, on the ground presence in Asia. Um, and for those galleries that do have a presence in Asia, we, the, the selection were very encouraging to those galleries for them to bring not only the big uh, Western artists from their, uh, from their exhibitor list and exhibitor roster, but also to bring um, to bring uh, artists from the region and to have a major emphasis on on artists from the region. Well, that um, that's fantastic. Is there is there anything I've forgotten or haven't uh, uh, covered in all of this? No, I think it's just it's really to say that we want to try and build something for the long term. Uh, and that these things take time. You know, uh, part of our role is, as art fair organisers is to try and show people the potential. But this is very much a, a kind of a group effort. And we're very pleased that we have such strong buy-in from the galleries that are participating. They really see the potential. But they also um, understand that they have a role to play also in, to, in determining the success of the fair over the long term. So I think it's this is very much um, the first step on what we hope is going to be uh, you know the opportunity to really create something quite special for the long term. You know, there, there's an excellent point uh, in there. It it sounds like this is not something that you could have done any sooner, right? That that part of what you're uh, able to do here is take advantage of not just the growth of the Asian art market, but the 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 way that and the global art market has grown and the shape it has taken so that you could almost uh, start from the beginning in this new kind of market where people are participating from equally from all parts that there's a fresh place to start and create an art fair that looks more like the global art market in 2018 and forward than necessarily uh, a hair uh, an affair uh, that has historically grown up through you know these different phases. 
Exactly. I think that that's the that's the you know for me that's one of the the most exciting aspects of the possibilities is really to try and create something uh, in the mould of, of of now and looking forward rather than having uh, sort of a legacy inheritance of what's gone gone before. Well, it'll be fascinating to watch uh, and and very exciting. Uh, I just want to thank you for taking the time, Magnus. Well, thank you very much indeed, man. Thank you for listening to the Intelligence Podcast. Visit us at artmarketmonitor.com. 